Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome to a very special episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me are Greg, Nico, and Scott. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Is this the one where somebody does drugs and um, then dies at the end? Is that why Dave's not here? Did he do drugs and die? <laughs> it's possible. I, I cannot confirm nor deny that Dave did drugs and die. We probably shouldn't joke about that. I, I knew something was bad, like something was going down. There's behind, some bad mojo behind going the 99 on. cent store in the back alley. So. Well, this is a very special episode because this has been a long time coming. We are actually going to provide tonight, for the first time ever on the Wretched Hive podcast, audio commentary for a Star Wars product. Live commentary. I'm, I'm down for this. <laughs> I am. I'm excited for this. It's is, only. Is, Star Wars product in quotes. Is it in quotes? No. Air quotes? What we are, Star Wars product. This is actual legit. What we are watching tonight, guys, and we're going to provide audio commentary over this for our listeners. The one, the only, the original Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope audio commentary from the Wretched Hive podcast, from four-fifths of the Wretched Hive. So, so here's, here's what we're, we're, we're doing. If you're playing along at home, we want you to pause the podcast right now, go to your television, open up uh, Disney+, Plus, yeah. navigate. If they pause the podcast, how can they do all this stuff? I know. Well, I actually – don't pause the podcast yet. Um, right. <laughs> get to, get to uh, Disney+. Plus. I want you to navigate to the Star Wars section and find a new hope. And when I say hit play, you hit play on your side. And you can listen to us while you watch Star Wars A New Hope, Scott. It's the it's the original. It's it's like magic, Steve. That's what I'm saying here. <laughs> it's what started it's what started the Star Wars phenomena. We are starting from the very beginning, 1977's Star Wars: A New Hope, Episode Four. Actually, back then it was not called Episode Four, right? It was called Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have a question. I yes. have a question. Yes. So you count down. Do we go on one, like three, two, one? You hit play, or is it three, two, one, play? God damn it, Greg! We're not watching Lethal Weapon. We're watching Star Wars. Do not start on three. Do not start on five. Start on play. Right. So we're doing three, two, one, play. Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. And now, Nico, you've got the controls for the video for us, so so I I'm sure counting know. on you to count to to start it at the right time. For <laughs> once, I am going to be like all of our listeners, just a normal human being <laughs> waiting to listen to Steve for what to do. First time for anything. It's so everything. So <laughs> plus, I got to say, got a couple glasses of wine in me, Scott. Sitting next to me for the first time in a year. Yeah, uh, you got some scotch there, buddy. Year nothing, man. It's fourteen months, and I'm I'm 
fucking jazz. And I got to work tomorrow. So let's let's just get <laughs> let's into just this. Do this. Um, all right. So here we go. You've got by now. Hopefully, you've got Disney Plus queued up to Star Wars: A New Hope. All right, Nico. Get your finger yes. on the button. On I'm three. Ready. Here we go. Two. One. Play. Oh, that was smooth. All right. Ooh, now you're not going to hear any sound. We're going to talk you through this. So first thing on the you, screen, we see the 20th Century Fox logo. The new updated one. I the classic. That. Yes. Yep. And uh, now we're seeing the Lucasfilm Limited logo. Right. All right. A long, long time ago. In the uh, just one long, two fars. Far away. One long. All right. Hey. Now hey. we have... The, the Star Wars fanfare and the logo fading off into the distance. All right, so as this we, this so as we get into this, guys, um, just just some trivia. You know, George Lucas conceived this movie in the early early seventies. He wanted to, his, the whole idea was to create some sort of a space opera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, I, I've got some notes here that I'm going to read from Wikipedia, but. Um, well, Steve, I don't know how much I haven't read over your notes, but should we talk about the opening crawl? Yeah, do it. Because, I mean, one of the big things that a lot of people don't realize is who actually wrote and edited the crawl was Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma. Was that, was that another? Did he steal your notes? He, okay. did, he did help to help. It was part. He, I don't know that he wrote the whole thing, but I think he did help edit it. I think he edited it. Yeah. Yeah. So now, just if you're playing along at home, just to make sure you're queued up correctly, the the crawl is uh, ended and it's uh, scrolling off into the distance. Uh, it's about halfway up the screen. So, so yeah, Lucas Lucas had a one sentence sort of like theme that he was aiming for here. The one sentence he wrote was a technological empire going after a small band of freedom of freedom fighters. Nice. That was his concept for the movie. Okay. Interesting. His elevator pitch, if you will. Yes, exactly. Excellent. So, of course, coming up on the uh, on just the with the planet rise over Tatooine here, probably really. I mean, just so many just iconic shots in this whole film, and this kind of set the scene for so much to come with the blockade runner just coming into screen there, and then our first look at an imperial star destroyer seemingly going on forever. Um, I, I will never, I won't ever forget the feeling that this sort of brought up in me as a as a child. I, I was so yeah. moved and in awe of this movie right away, and I think you know I, it's it's impacted so many people in the same way. But I know it's not unusual at all. But I just, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was just overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the first time you get to see C-3PO on the big screen, right, Steve? First yeah. Lord oh, yeah. and Savior? This is Wait madness. This is more <laughs> here. I, I do like that the uh, we have the, um, what is it called? The, um, oh, God, I can't think of that. Too much wine. No, the words at the bottom. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got the uh, captions on. The captions, yes. Subtitles, yes. Thank you. We're doomed. We we did overlook the fact that we do see a second protocol droid in the background. I believe that character is E3PO, which is an Imperial spy. Oh, okay. All right. Is that Cam? Yeah. I don't think I knew that. that, Is that correct? Did I say the right protocol droid number on that, Greg? I I would have no idea, sir. I would have no idea. (laughs) So right. it seems 
button. It seems like Darth Vader's just getting in here after murdering a bunch of these rebel guys. I don't know if you guys get that same feeling. It just he he has this big <laughs> yeah, murder yeah. all over him. That's a few decades a few... from now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Give to that time. one down the line here, but yeah, it is kind of funny seeing that and watching this that moment now. It's like hey, he kind of st- casually strolls in as hey. the stormtroopers uh, invade the Tanti Four here and, and just take out uh, the rebels. Um, yeah. again the power of this and the the uniforms and just the obvious you know like technological superiority was just it, it's just it was frightening as a kid like oh my god these guys are getting their asses kicked yeah, yeah. and really sets up the stormtroopers as incredibly able soldiers which they never live up to again <laughs> i was gonna say and this is where the training just goes downhill this was like the commando unit right here they all died on this blockade runner and then what well, yeah all right. hey, i have to interrupt you guys just gotta acknowledge yeah. vader on screen for the first time ever yeah just imposing his will and just evil incarnate Doing his best Alden Alderike impression with his hands on his hips, looking around. Uh, AFI's number one villain of all time, or was it top three? I forget. I forget where he lived, where he lit, where he landed on that list of top villains of all time from AFI. But it, think, was, it was definitely in the top three. Think top. Think, yeah, I think number two. I think he was the second villain. You know what's so awesome about this too, in watching this and and having a good sense of the the original um, Ralph McQuarrie art that influenced so much of the look of the film. I mean, even just in the few scenes we've seen already now, R2 and 3PO here chatting about, um, uh, about the, the hidden plans that R2 now has. Um, well, uh, Steve, real quick. Before... Just, it's so iconic and, and the, yeah. the Macquarie imagery is just all over this, even there's this a, opening shot. There's definitely a ton to talk about, but I am going to try and point out some of the either technical stuff or the goofs in here. And one of the goofs we see real quick is R2 strolling down the hall oh, yeah. with the Leia thing. He does look like he's going to run into one of the blockade uh, bunker heads right there. He does. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. Yeah. If they, they cut that shot, clearly. Uh, we, here we have Captain Antilles getting uh, the life choked out of him. Right. I do love that, you know, Antilles had to, a moment to put his hands up as he was already dead. And yeah, yeah, his, yeah. his yeah. lifeless body was thrown into that <laughs> There's going to be a lot of these. The <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what makes what makes the movie fun to watch, too, is now looking at all the goofs, right? Like yeah. It's, it's, it's so, they're so painfully obvious now, but... We have to point those out, though. You have to. You have to. Uh, we do get the first uh, glimpse of the stun blaster instead of the normal blaster. How much did you want one of those Stormtrooper helmets when you were a kid? Oh, man. It would have been awesome. Man, I still do. I know. Yeah, I was say, when you were a kid... What are you talking about? <laughs> Does anyone own a, a helmet, a, a bucket? Anyone have a bucket? I don't. None of uh, us not, a, not, not a stormtrooper helmet. Um, okay. and you have a Jinjarin is, helmet, though, right? Hey, that's that is to be announced at a later date. That what? is not a fake. Not oh, quite oh, official yet. Oh. Ah, ah. It's a, there's something that's a work in progress, guys. Are you creating? Are you, all right. You don't want to talk little, about it now. Getting, getting a, getting a little crappy. All right. Okay. Uh, so we have three PO and R two looking back at the Imperial Star Destroyer as they plunge down to, to who knows where. And anyone want to take a bet on those two guys that let this pod escape? They didn't live long after this, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you know, they scanned it, and there were no life forms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
and, and they say that they don't want to waste ammunition. I'm curious as how laser beams are mm-hmm. ammunition. How does that work? Energy. Yeah. Battery packs. Okay. Has any Star Wars character ever run out of blast, like laser blasts in their gun? You know, like have you know, we like ever a had to watch shoot? anybody reload? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. I don't think I so. I think in the Clone Wars animated mm. series you see some stuff like that, but I don't think in the movies you ever watch anybody reload a blaster. Although in The Mandalorian, Cara Dune did have her big rifle jam on her. Yes. At the, yeah. the very last episode of The Mandalorian. Oh, and you do see the titular character, he's reloading his disintegration shots into that rifle. He's reloading individual shots into that. Does, and does then blasting else, Jawas with it. Does it. This guy always reminds me of Norm MacDonald. For some reason, the guy that pops up right here. He looks a little <laughs> bit like Norm MacDonald. Uh, and and as, we're, as we're watching uh, Vader give direction to his underlings here, um, I'm, I'm, I can't help but to be reminded of the the like b-roll shots of david prouse in the mask trying to do the voice you know trying to be vader yeah and uh it's a good thing they brought Dame, james earl jones in to, to do the voice because david prouse with that cockney accent just was not a good video so here we have uh, r2 and c3po now on tatooine your favorite this is going to be uh some oh yeah this fun is, time uh, talk this love fest here so it's it's funny to watch, you know, this is all a desert planet, but it's, you know, it, it's funny to watch this and pick out the spots that are filmed actually in Tunisia and the, and the parts that are filmed in Death Valley. And most of the early stuff is is actual Tunisia stuff, these big rolling dunes and everything like that. Yeah. And all kind yeah. of rocky outcroppy stuff is is a lot of Death Valley work. Um, it all depends, but it's 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 funny that they it actually works together. It works very well together. So what's funny what's to me th- is looking at three PO here right now, and and even R two, you can see how beat up they are. Yeah, like aren't they supposed to be these you know protocol dro- like what sort of adventures have they gone through at this point where they're this beat up already? Right. That really lends itself to that used or lived in universe that Lucas wanted to create. And again, Nico, thanks for pointing this out because every other like in- incarnation of 3PO, uh, certainly in the, the sequels, not not happy with the way he mm-hmm. looked. And this is just genius at that time when they were struggling to make a really good used lived in universe. Uh, on top of that, let's throw one other technical aspect into it. To get these shots in Tunisia, uh, one of the techniques Lucas used to get the glare off of it was putting pantyhose over the lens of the oh, camera. Yeah, I'd heard that. Yeah. So uh, C-3PO and R2 are now separated and uh, 3PO walking up a sand dune, struggling to walk up. And I think we're going to come on some uh, crate Dragon Bones here in a second. But going back to the used universe, I mean, that was that was groundbreaking in and of itself, just the concept of that, right? I mean, everything we'd seen, most science fiction was everything was shiny and silver and reflective and clean and modern looking, sort of that like postmodernism take on on sci-fi. Yeah. And then you have Star Wars come along with this, like clearly there's some history here. Like he's been through some stuff, yeah. um, 3PO has, and he's R2 getting, as well. He's got a lot of oil and le- stuff leaking out of him. He just, he looks worn yeah. down. I feel bad for the guy right now. And so now this is, to your point, Greg, this is now Death Valley, I think, uh, with R2 rolling through the the, the uh, canyon here. 
rolling towards a spot he clearly can't get through. <laughs> well, all the smooth, all the smooth, you know, pathway ends and it's just rocky outcropping. And so I don't know how he's going to get any farther. Of course, we didn't know at the time that R2 can actually fly. He actually has those little blaster engines that come off of his uh, shoulders there. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's all right. Fair enough. <laughs> well, we didn't know Carried it about how it got so smooth right there in the middle, just wide enough for an R2 unit to scroll through. <laughs> now, the Jawas, the Jawas, you know, there's so many cool characters in this in this film that were introduced, uh, you know, uh, to in this film. And the Jawas certainly are one of them. Um, I love that it was all the uh, like the the crew uh kids and cousins and just like uh you know yeah whoever can fit in one of those little robes um got to be a jawa also one of my favorite action figures in the early days before the you know empire and return came out love playing with the jawas because they they were so mysterious you could have them do whatever i mean they little little terrorists basically (laughs) right now you can look at the way some of them are running they look like little kids you know yeah yeah Great. So uh, I forget what it is for the collectors out there, Scott, but the Jawas, there are two initial runs of the Jawas, one with the plastic and or vinyl cape, whatever you want to call it. The other one with the cloth cape, which is the more valuable to, I think it's the vinyl cape is the more valuable. Definitely the vinyl vinyl cape, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, If you're looking at Star Wars, you know, collector items, original Jawas on the card, and if it comes in a uh, cloth cape, Throw it right back at the guy and say, what the fuck are you giving to me, asshole? <laughs> so this is a great shot also. They're at the yeah. base of the sand crawler and just the scale of the sand crawler. Of course, they only built like the first 20% of the sand crawler. They, they only built the treads because that's all they really needed to film. And the rest of the sand crawler was like this little model, right? Like um, yeah, maybe two and a half feet tall or something like yeah, that. Like a little RC or a little remote control. Uh, yeah, and I love how um, people will now go to Death Valley and take a little sand crawler and film, mm-hmm. uh, right. film it rolling through the sand there in Death Valley and through the rocks. It's pretty. It's, some of them are pretty good actually. All right, so we have um, R two now, kind of coming, uh, waking up inside the sand crawler. He's been captured by Jawas, and we see uh, R5. R5. We also see, uh, I don't know why it's called this way, but uh, in the original line, that guy right there Mm. is uh, the Death Star droid. So, protocol droid, but he was named that. The Death Star droid. Yeah. That's right. He is called a Death Star droid, and we see him here. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, And then we have the famous Gonk droid. The, the, the gonk droid looks like a trash can. That was an, a, an an action figure as well. They had a Black Series gonk droid at Target, I think we talked about on the show, that I was so tempted by it just for, for my desk. But yeah. like 20, blo- 20 bucks for this little square piece of plastic, I was like, eh, yeah. I passed. <laughs> Star Wars nerds will buy anything. I know. Yes, we should. And then I regretted it the next day. I went back and it was gone. And we do uh, 3PO doing the little uh, sand crawler dance there. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, and we do get to see them with the uh, restraining bolts on, uh, by the way, which is adorning my refrigerator from, nice. uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge, yeah. Yeah, you know, I ordered one of those on Amazon, um, a restraining bolt, because I had a little robot vacuum rolling around the house. Oh, and nice. I ordered one of those to put onto my little <laughs> not Roomba 
because it wasn't a Roomba, but um, it never showed up. It never uh, showed up. Bummer. I was really upset, but it ended up being okay because my robot vacuum was a piece of trash too, so I returned that anyway. So, so this little sequence here that we just saw stormtroopers searching for uh, R two and three PO, and uh, a new shot of the sandcrawler. Those were not in the original film. I think those were, those were additions in ninety seven. Is that right, Scott? They are. Uh, it's just. It's added on to the original scene of them. A little tacked on. Yeah. You do see this, the trooper picking up the, the droid the circle yeah. washer or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Bearings, right? Something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And then we get the, the updated version of the Sandcrawler cruising over one of the dunes. Right. So, yeah, those were in the original film, but didn't look quite as polished as they look here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we've got the three pill and uh, and uh, R two being uh, jostled out of the sand crawler down to uh, to be put on for sale uh, by the jobs. Time to get spruced up. Yeah, yard sale time, which is fantastic. So oh, go ahead, Greg. Sorry. How far into this movie are we? Give us a time count of this movie right now, Nico, where we are at this point. If you could... We are officially 16 minutes and 59 seconds. Yeah. Now 17.01. Yeah. 17 full minutes of this film before you, we go in and actually meet one of the main characters of the movie. Um, yeah. C-3PO and R2 aside, but... What are you talking about? C-3PO is the main character of the entire series. The only character to show up in all 13 films. I curse you. I curse you, Nico. (laughs) (laughs) The the balls of of Lucas to have the patience to establish all this stuff and then bring your heroes in. I'm you know, they they just don't let movies breathe like that nowadays. It just doesn't happen that way. Well, Greg, yeah, well, true. to your point, I also want to say cuz the hero that we're talking about is Luke Skywalker at the droid sale here, the rogue yeah, as sale. As Luke uh, Inspector 5 here. But but to your point, Lucas's first edit didn't have Luke showing up this late. He was interspliced in a moment where he's like looking up and seeing the battle happen. So Yeah. Was, yeah. I'm just the choice of whoever choice. made that edit and change is fantastic. Whether it was Lucas or if it was his or, wife. Marcia. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and the, well, script, it, the script took on so many different um, incarnations. I think there were like six or seven versions of the script. In the first, in one of the early versions, Luke Skywalker was a big green alien. Um, you know, the, uh, I, I think it was, um, was it Chewie that was a, uh, which what character is the rabbit? He looks kind of like a big rabbit. I think that's Chewy. Yeah. That was Chewy. I, I do love that. We're getting our sad moment here because R five is getting picked over R two. Oh, but R five is going to sacrifice himself right here. This is actually canon. <laughs> this is canon that R five intentionally gives himself up, blows his motivator. There it goes. Oh. <laughs> uh, to allow R two to be, um, you know. Uh, progress in his in his journey here. I, I didn't know this was an X-rated film. Blows his motor <laughs> motivator. Oh my God, this is nasty. Where's, where's my music? I, I I do love the little bit of continuity going into Mandalorian too. How when R five D four makes his triumphant return to the series, how he's got you know the from that one panel that's blown open, it's all the oil is still dripped out. He hasn't been cleaned up at all. It's still the still <laughs> looks like he did back in nineteen seventy seven. 
pretty that's awesome. A, that's, that's, a, that's a good, that's what, 10 cool. years that has passed since he had that? Poor guy. Yeah, in in canon time, yeah, probably about 10, 10 years or so, I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, even 3PO here is getting a, an oil bath. Poor R5-D4 just got thrown back into the pit, and he's all burned up and scored. By the way, I love he's that he's playing, playing with a T-16. Is it a T-16? Skyhopper? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Skyhopper, yeah. Yep. Which is in the background, the background, right? <laughs> uh, here we've got uh, Luke starting to kind of clean up R2-3PO. 3PO's getting his oil bath. I would love to give 3PO an oil bath. Yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> Thank the maker. Damn. Thank the maker. This just got raw. And uh, we're we're about to, in a moment here, discover our second major human character. Yes. Well, she 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 does appear earlier in the movie. Let's let's not. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, she yeah. she is earlier in the movie. That's true. And I guess I, I guess I am discounting her as a little bit of a main character, but Luke being the main hero, mm. Um, mm. as far as this movie, Leia takes a much more prominent role later on. Right now. As far as this movie is concerned, she is just the damsel in distress right now. She obviously later on becomes a major, major, major part of the series. You know, that's funny. You I know, was I was actually taking like Luke's perspective. Like Luke has Luke does not know Leia at this point. Yeah. But he's about to meet her for the first time. Also, that's another great part of the script and the storytelling is you do get introduced to this hero's journey and Luke is the main character that we're all led to follow. But it's Leia who were who's the uh, the twist. We we see her as the damsel in distress. Here she is in the hologram, but she comes across as the bold, you know, pre Sigourney Weaver and alien, uh, very uh, uh, bold female lead character in this. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So immediately, so Luke it, is entranced. She's beautiful. He says. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of even. Even now, you know, how many times have I seen this movie? Two thousand times. Probably. <laughs> it feels like it, right? I, I'm I'm still feeling myself get get you know sucked into the story here. I mean, she's yeah. you know the the whole you know help me Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Um, it's it 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 just cries out for an answer. You know, right. it's 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 we're seeing here is the is the hero's journey laid out for us. This is Luke's. We're approaching his, you know, call to action here. Yeah. In the hero's journey. You know, it's funny. I, I want to be absorbed in the film. And yes, I can be. But I certainly, in this case, in doing one of these commentary tracks, Steve, um, mm. I'm going to just laugh at this for a moment because now I'm seeing all the tie-ins to the other films, which we will be doing these for later. Mm -hmm. But certainly Attack of the Clones, which <laughs> I think a lot of us consider one of the worst ones. Um, oh, I can't wait to get to that one. The exact moment when you see Anakin walking in the exact same scene. So, yeah, you know, it's just funny to see it all happening right here in Lars homestead. Um, but yeah, certainly with Luke and his introduction and having his little moment, his whining moment here. And Oh and man, can we just real quick, just appreciate that special effect of the spark of the restraining bolt being taken off R2, just yeah. a terrible little white lines just popping up for half a frame. <laughs> and oh, yeah. how smart R2 was to con to trick him into taking off the restraining bolt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, you know, for all the special effects that are just amazing, and this movie did win um, 
of course, multiple Academy Awards, including for for special effects. Was it five? Did it win five? I want to. I don't. I have that here. Blue milk. Oh. Our first. The first see, look at blue milk. Yeah. First look at blue milk. Mm. I, I gotta know. admit. Oh, go ahead, Nico. Oh. Sorry. I was gonna say now we know where and how Luke got his fondness for it to to get us straight from the teat later on. Yeah. <laughs> and we uh, we also see blue milk in is it Rogue One in the beginning when yeah and we see it in the middle at the uh, yeah at the homestead there at the beginning of Rogue One. Um, we gotta, I don't we gotta, really want the Oscar talk go by though without mentioning that this is the only one of the Star Wars movies nominated for Best Picture. Did not win, but nominated nonetheless. Yeah. So this so this movie won for best best art direction. Okay. Um. Sorry, it's best art direction, set decoration, uh, best costume design, okay, best film editing, of course, Paul Hirsch, Marshall Lucas, and Richard Chu. Um, let's see, best effects, visual effects, soundtrack too. Of course, best music, original yeah. score yeah. for John Williams, best sound, and special achievement for sound effects for Ben Bird. Nice. We got we got to give some shout outs to Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru here just just for this amazing wonderful dialogue sequence here. I, oh, I, yeah. I love these characters. And Luke's all whining about getting out of here a season early. Come on, Luke. <laughs> I you know, I, I it might have been the age that I saw this film. I was 9 when I was, I saw this movie, but this was really the first movie that I wondered what 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 is beyond these characters? What are they talking about? You know, the next harvest and yeah. What is this? You know, you can go join the rebellion with your friends. You know, after the next season, what is that all about? Like, I wanted to know more. Yeah. Um, the dialogue is great, and here we have the iconic shot of the twin sons and whiny Luke upset. Well, and, and George, or not George, John Williams, just rousing score here too. Oh, I mean, this yeah, just oh. just incredible, just incredible. And, you know, it's it's like we've all at some point in our lives thought, you know, is there something more for me? Is there, you know, am I living to my potential? Am I living up to that right now? And and you see Luke pining for a different existence, pining for a better life. And, uh, boy, what a great iconic shot that is. Amazing. Has, has anyone on the podcast visited the location? Uh, in Tunisia, yeah. the, the Lars Homestead, I have not would love to. My God, what an epic trip that would be. That'd be yeah. great. Uh, just to finish the um, the countdown for the uh, Academy Awards, um, those were all the wins. Uh, also nominated, Alec Guinness was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Um, George Lucas got a nomination for Best Screenplay and for Best Director. And Gary Kurtz was nominated for uh, related to his producing duties for best picture for best picture. Yep. Yeah. Snubbed by and Annie snubbed. Hall. The movie also won multiple BAFTA awards. John Williams soundtrack won the Grammy award for best album. Nice. That year. Like and, album of the year or like the, the um, movie Grammy. I'm assuming. Can't, that can't be the album of the year that year. The Grammy award the for Gra- best, fe- best album of an original score for motion picture. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. And, of course, 
1997, MTV Music Awards awarded Chewbacca the Lifetime Achievement Award for his work in the trilogy, and they gave, finally gave him his uh, his medallion. Carrie Fisher gave him. Yeah, I was going right. to him. Who gave him the medal? And Scott, right on money with the answer there. <laughs> yeah. We have the uh, food processor from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, yeah. I, I always, you know, I can't watch this movie also without thinking about Ben Burt's work. And we just mentioned that he won an Academy Award um, for a special achievement for sound effects. But every shot in this movie has some Ben Burt oh, yeah. uh, bringing it to life. You yeah. know, that even that little food processor something, wee, 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 whatever that oh, sound yeah. was. Um, and here we obviously have the Tuscan Raiders. The Tuscan Raiders. And a Bantha. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact, I'm going to back up for one second. Two times I've ever actually gotten emotional watching the MTV Movie Awards, Greg, where uh, when Chewbacca <laughs> did receive his award from Carrie Fisher and when Jason Voorhees won the Lifetime Achievement Award. That was fantastic watching him take that after playing my way through that. Fantastic. If he did not murder Dan Cortez right there on the stage, I don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> I love how they the, the these shots are framed here uh, with the sand people. First, you have Luke grabbing his uh, his uh, I don't know what kind of stick that is. What is? Yeah. Do you know the Gaffy's... name of that? Is that a gaffy stick that Luke has? No, no, no. It's a it's no. like a rifle. Yeah. Okay. So Luke getting attacked here by the by the Tuscan Raider. Forward, backward, forward, backward, forward, backward. <laughs> exactly. I I never noticed that until that documentary where the the, yeah. the stunt coordinator guy mentions that, and now I can't not see it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just toggle the film; no one will know. So this is another special edition um, add-on with the rocks kind of blocking R 2s view, and, and you're shaking your head. No, you didn't appreciate that. That's one, one I didn't appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Didn't need it. Yeah. He's in a little I mean, alcove, and it's dark. How does he get in there? And and what's the graffiti on the wall over there? I never noticed that before. Yeah, I know. Oh, and what this is, is a definitely... Some boxes. Uh, mm. Let's just talk about that that scream, the uh, the crate dragon oh, scream. Oh, the, the, the crate dragon noise that Obi-Wan makes has undergone several iterations depending on the version of the film you're watching. Still need the original. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not the first... Yeah, that's not the first to change that, no. Lucas is the like version, you know, next week sound like or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You're glitching out just a, a little bit there, Greg. Um, Sorry, guys. That's okay. And uh, finally, we see Obi-Wan. Yeah. The great Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, well, right now, he's just old Ben. That's true. That is true. Now, old okay, ben. so did he use the Force there to heal Luke? Is that the first time we see, you know, the healing power of the Force? That's what people say. Uh, you, you know, I, don't I don't buy know if, it. I don't know if I'm going to go into it. Right I think now. that's a huge retcon there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Well, he did. He did. Okay. If you really want to go back, I don't think it's a retcon if that's the case because he did learn under Qui Gon, who taught him about the living Force. Okay. So you could. It's a stretch. That's but a stretch, you could, bro. Yeah, okay. Well, Dave did say I'm the Q Anon of the Wretched I'm Q. So I'm going all out on this one. So I, I, feel, I feel like um, uh, Obi-Wan here, 
playing a little mind game. He's playing some mind. He's, he's he's a really good liar, is what he is. Yeah. And this yeah. is where the lies begin <laughs> in Star Wars. Well, look how he's playing it off. Oh. I don't ever remember owning a droid. Oh, yeah, you not- know. It, <laughs> it, well, it, it wasn't his droid, right? That was Anakin's droid. Yeah, okay. And he didn't have the same he didn't have the same relationship with R4 the same way Anakin did with R2. And you even see that in Clone Wars the animated series. They talk a lot about how Anakin's relationship with R2 is inappropriate. Yeah. Yep, that's true. And you're, how you're... he's he's just a droid and he puts too much faith in the droid and all of this and all of that. And R2 is not his droid. And mm. he never, you know, felt that way about R4. And 3PO was Anakin's. He didn't build that. That wasn't his. So he, again, is not lying there. He never owned a droid. R4 was his astromech for his starfighter. But it wasn't his droid that he took ownership of. Uh, all right. And Clinton didn't lie when he said, I never had sex with that woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he didn't. I, mean, I think it's something right, different. So see yeah, you right. guys. You, you can't. You can't tell <laughs> me that. Ben, that ben, ownership ben, of a droid. Ben couldn't have said, "Well, technically, I didn't own him, but I spent a lot of time with him, and one of my best friends." Yeah. yeah, yeah come see, on. Plus, we just glossed over Steve's favorite part of the film is when three PO's arm is completely ripped off of his body. That's so. true, and it's when he he just shuts down right here too. Yeah, yeah another great too, yeah. part of the movie. This this is the scene where um, Alec Guinness wins his nom- gets his nomination for best actor when he lies, bald faced lies to Luke. Yeah, in nice. this scene. Acting. So, I mean, all of this obviously makes sense in the context of this movie, but uh, he really paints himself into a corner and starts trying to change his stuff, even in the very next movie, you know, by making Luke and Leia now, you know, sisters and Vader the father and everything like that. It's right. For as as much as he thought out what the series is, you know, he he was doing he was thinking of special editions from the very very beginning even going back to this movie because he just can't stand to leave well enough alone and he's got to tinker with that story and he just it fucks everything up in the long run i mean tell yeah, the guy to write a story admit to it man well the, you know well, the, the funny thing also is this sequence right here is one of those moments where if you read the script and how it was supposed to play out in the original cut of this this scene it was totally structured different so i love how yeah, yeah if you watch how the edits take place in here, and you'll see some of the little nuances that have changed from scene to scene. They restructured it. It might have been Marsha. Was it Marsha that did this one, or Marsha Lucas that edited the scene? Yeah, I know she had a big hand in editing the final uh, attack on the Death Star. I know that was all. That was all Marsha Lucas. All right. Is yeah. that is that, <laughs> is that George's game. wife? Yeah, yeah, George's wife at the time. Yep. Uh, Okay. At, at, yeah, long, long since divorced though. They divorced is, in the middle. Of, they divorced between Empire and Jedi, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah. I think so. So, but, do we think she's the one who would bring him his bib for tuna sandwich? <laughs> it's possible. Uh, all right. Now we finally get the full version, the full unedited version of the uh, plea from Princess Leia to uh, General Kenobi. First reference to the Clone Wars. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
you know, that's what I love about the franchise. It's, it was, it was like this onion, you know, with these layers that you keep peeling back. And what is this Clone Wars thing? Well, Steve, you mentioned earlier when uh, Baru and, and Owen were having the conversation. And that stuff as a kid, it glossed right over me. Oh, yeah. But I heard Clone Wars when I was a kid. And I'm like, what mm-hmm. is the Clone Wars? What does that like, mean? What is that? That was yeah. huge to me. Yeah. Right. There's so, been so many memes created out of this, this <laughs> shot. It's a... Uh, it's unfortunate that I've been poisoned by them all because now I see the memes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Luke and, and uh, Obi-Wan here talking. So, yeah, lots of narrative here about, um, you know, I'll take you to Alderaan, you know, these, these or I'll, I'll take you to Anchorhead, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I can't go to Alderaan. I can't get involved. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's your father talking. Hey, how do you know my father? How do you, how would you know what he says? Or I'm sorry, your uncle. Uncle, right, yeah. right, right, right. I like there. There was a rumor for a while that that cloak that's hanging on the wall in the back was Qui Gon's cloak because Ooh. the the design kind of matched his look from the prequels. So I'm like, oh, that that would be pretty interesting. You know, another a great wrinkle to this movie is as we watch uh, Obi Wan and Luke continue. Uh, you must do what you feel is right, of course. Um, is that the the, uh, the the guys that were hired to create the movie, the stagehands, the sound guys, the lighting guys, they had no idea what was happening. Like they, they didn't understand it. They didn't buy into it. Lucas was an overbearing presence on the set. He was giving directions when, you know, telling the lighting guys what to do, telling everybody what to do. Um, because in his mind, they couldn't get it right. Yeah. Um, are you, are you giving a shout out to uh, hot pink shorts guy? Uh, the boom mic guy? Is yeah. that, cause I think that would be a, that's awesome. But eventually the stress of, of creating this movie, you know, put Lucas in, in, I think he was hospitalized during the editing process. Yeah. He had, he had a heart attack, right? I'm not sure if it was a heart attack. I know it was oh. severe stress or it mm-hmm. might've been. We, uh, we got to give a lot of shout outs to the Imperials here. Oh yeah. So the, the, the juxtaposition with the, uh, the, the scenes on Tatooine jumping to the Death Star, you know, cabinet here, these generals, uh, sitting and, around and, talking about the ultimate power in the universe. And we have a grand admiral it's in just the room starving. too. Yeah. We have a white suit right there. With the white jacket guy back there. Yeah. Do we know his name? So, something right okay. isn't it that bit of trivia bit of trivia for you guys bit of trivia real quick um just about having to do with the characters and everything like so alec guinness at the time of this building filming was 62 years old anybody want to take a stab at how old mark hamill was during the filming of the force awakens oh wasn't he 62 oh. was he the same age i got 162 scott any yeah. guesses i was gonna say around the same age so 60 60, 62, okay. Uh, Nico has stepped away for a minute, so we're going to say he's going to guess 62 as well. Uh, the correct <laughs> answer is 64 years old, guys. Wow. 64 wow. years old. The filming of The Force Awakens. So who looks better for, 60, for 62, 64? Who looks better? Mark Hamill, Alec Guinness. I'm going to go Alec Guinness. I feel like they, I feel like they made... Uh, Mark look older than he actually looks in real life. Though. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll, they aged him. 
yeah. he, he does because in in the second one he does uh, last last Jedi he does look better in his like fake fight sequence right so 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 here so we're about to come across a, di- a line of dialogue that's caused some controversy here and these blast points too accurate for sand people only imperial stormtroopers are so precise so Scott how do you explain that line given that stormtroopers you know can't normally hit the bright side of a broadside of a barn oh that's that's easy steve he's clearly lying he's a liar because he's lied his entire way into this whole first part of the movie that's true it it really is just one more lie on uh, that stacked of of lie upon lie upon lie of this entire film probably the true villain of this movie is (laughs) obi-wan kimono yeah i think he is he definitely screwed over the uh, jedi order i mean he and yoda just miscalculation after miscalculation yeah yeah. They said, you know, they straighten that little bastard up. What are they doing? <laughs> I mean, no big deal. You're only responsible for the deaths of thousands of, you know, Jedi. Um, Uncle Owen and Beru. There's a barbecue going on. What's what's? Ooh. Does anybody remember the old troops fan film parody film that came out? Oh, it was fantastic. It was. It was just like the TV show Cops, except it was all stormtroopers. And it ends with this fight here where they become (laughs) – this charred remains. They're responding to a domestic dispute, I think, right? (laughs) That's right. And I do do love he has what – the trooper that is the main trooper has a North Dakota accent. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. Isn't it? Like it's like a Fargo. Yeah, it's it's very much like a Fargo reference. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Now we're back to the Death Star with uh, Leia in prison, and we're uh, got Vader, and we've got the torture droid. You're and... a little tall for a human being, aren't you? <laughs> that comes later. <laughs> oh shit! Torture. Did you ever wonder? Like, I, I remember thinking to myself, how is that? How is that floating orb gonna gonna you know shoot her up with whatever that is? Hey, he's just trying to give her a vaccine here. I mean, come on, it's just trying, <laughs> trying to help her out. Um, yeah, yes, I did. But, uh, later on, you do get to see the little crane that's holding it up right there in the reflection. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, we, we missed it. It's it's past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to troops for a second, Greg. This is also one of the sequences when, when they, they come across, uh, the Jawas and stole some, uh, some merchandise (laughs) and the one guy makes a break for it and they just wipe them out and they end up killing the entire crew right yeah and so now we have again back to the hero's journey we've got now the call to action is being fulfilled right he's saying luke is saying okay we're i'm gonna go with you to alderaan learn the ways of the force become a jedi i'm gonna become just like my father and kill every last jedi that's out there (laughs) yeah do you think that that uh gave obi-wan the shivers when he said that like just like my father oh no let's not do that uh i love that Downtown Death Valley is what that is. So. By the way, I love that shot overlooking uh, Moss Eisley. It's it's so great. Yeah. And you have the um, entrance into Moss Eisley with the. Uh, this is some altered footage here from again from the special editions. We have the Rebel transport that's been added in. Yeah. In the background there. The original uh, Star Wars, the original film. I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast maybe have not seen the original cut. Yeah. But it looks nothing like this. It was just very uh, 
sort of I don't know much more rudimentary and simplified than than uh, than this. Yeah, lots lots of the things in the background were just like props. So lots of the th- lots of stuff was static. You know, he wanted more actors. That's why this scene looks so busy in this special edition because he wanted it to look like a, a thriving hub. And it's just like you know six guys in the background is really all it is. So right. By uh, by the way, just a quick reference. We do see a Ronto, which is a new CG dinosaur looking creature that is at galaxy's edge you oh yeah you get ronto burgers or something like that or yeah that's right yeah. i haven't ordered one but i will yeah. uh is this the first time we see this is like what they are they're, s- they're... S- mm. yeah mm. Y- you tried no, one you're... not good mm. not good yeah mm. All right. I, you know surprisingly disneyland has a a large selection of quality food and i say that with all sincerity um, Galaxy's Edge is not the place to go find it. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, so we are closing in quickly here on our first view of the cantina. Probably one of the greatest sequences that most people remember from this. I film. think so. Yeah, I mean it's been parodied we, so many times. Yeah. Are we going to talk about that? This is where we got our name. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, a good the point. line right here. Well, we actually yeah. missed it, right? Well, yeah. actually, that was up when they were looking over, uh, uh, over downtown the valley. Death valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a wretched hive of scabbility. So, so what's so, interesting about this is that this was this, one of the last things the last shot. Thing. They actually went back and reshot this. Uh, I think they reshot it in. I want to say it was reshot in England. They came back to the states after having shot it at uh, is it Elstree Studios? Could be, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they they uh, they had to go back and reshoot a lot of these scenes. Yeah. Of course, the great masks and and uh, the creature shop, which which Lucas wasn't happy about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of it. The reason why he took a lot of these characters out was because he wasn't happy with like the devil mask or mm. one of these other characters that look like a lizard. He put some new CG character in, uh, by the way, just a personal reference. Uh, we do get introduced to a character coming up soon. That's going to have the confrontation with Han Solo. May I'll wait, I'll wait a second until we see that person. Um, we, we have the <clears throat> droid detector as the droids are not allowed inside the bar, which changes mm-hmm. later on in uh, Mandalorian. That's right. The, the, the script is flipped. And uh, we get our, our wonderful barkeep, <laughs> a happy disposition. Uh, I remember there was a Mad Magazine uh, comic that was the bat, the men's room at the Moss Lysley Cantina, and all the urinals were like weird shapes and <laughs> oh yeah, shapes. oh yeah, good stuff. What, what you need to do is you need to look up on YouTube. Richard Pryor for about a season had a variety comedy show. The comedian Richard Pryor. And he did a Star Wars cantina takeoff and as one of his skits, and actually got to use the original creature costumes in this skit. And so, go where you find it on YouTube and just go back and watch it because it is literally all of the costumes from this scene they used in on this Richard Pryor TV show back in like 1978 that ran for about a season. Yeah, yeah. we're getting the confrontation here where. Uh... We do see the first uh, mm. continuity error with the lightsaber uh, not soldering the wound. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Very little blood. 
But uh, we, we get the in famous, Star Wars, uh, yeah. well, back, it, it, the old school fans will know them as Walrus Man and the really ugly face guy that uh, got into the fight with Luke. But later on, it turns out it's Ponda Baba and Dr. E- Evazon. Is that right? Close enough. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say it. I can, I'll call him Dr. Avion. He likes his water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Uh, just minding his own business. Got his arm chopped off. What is it? Um, uh, uh, chicken. Robot chicken. Robot chicken. That, that did that so well. Yeah. It's just like. Yeah, it's like, what? That's not what I said at all. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come out and get a drink that? with me, you know? Uh, you go to the bar. He's all an right. architect. He's like, he's like a, he's an architect and he has to draw, you know, plants for a living and these cut, cuts <laughs> off his drawing arm. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. So we're meeting finally Han Solo and Chewbacca for the first time. Uh, you know, immediately bragging about uh, the Kessel Run and how his ship is the fastest ship in the galaxy. Okay, uh, just iconic, on. iconic role for Harrison Ford. Here. Come on, look at Chewie in this scene. We talk about this all the time. But doesn't he look like a pimp? Look at this guy. He is just like <laughs> scoping the scene. Like, like, I know what's going on. I know the deal here. It's all in the eyes. Look at fucking just Peter Mayhew with the eyes in this scene. The, the, the costume doesn't even oh, move, yeah. but scoping everybody out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Harrison Ford describing him as a, a a giant guy in a bear suit. Yeah. Um. But look at look at the way he just barely <laughs> moved his head over to Han. It had this look like, yeah, I know what's going on. Yeah. Like he, Chewie's badass from the moment he's on the screen. Yeah. How in the world we're going to talk about Jar Jar later on when we get to Episode One? But when he was compared <laughs> as the Chewbacca of the prequels, I was so mad about oh, that. Oh no. <laughs> was he really? Yeah. That's what George called him. I- Huh. Yeah. Who said that? George. Oh. First of well. all, Jar Jar wears pants, doesn't he? Yeah, I know. Or he's sort of like a, a something around his waist, right? I don't know. No, I think he wore pants. Kilt or something? Still no, no, no. He wears like overalls. Okay. All right. Well, Chewie doesn't have any pants. No, he does not. <laughs> no, he doesn't need pants. And there was some debate about that. I think earlier there was a version of Chewie that wore something like a lederhosen, sort of a a thing and it just didn't work yeah maybe it was in uh art art uh production design or something uh talk about cool in every scene he's in i mean does harrison ford just completely steal this every scene he's in he just sucks up all the oxygen every scene you cannot look at anything but him he's just an instant movie star um yeah you know obviously he was in um uh lucas's uh movie right before this um the the, the car movie Help me out. Yes. Oh, yeah. Graffiti. Had a small part in that. But, uh, Wait, we, American Graffiti. Oh. We just went down the Led Zeppelin. Oh, he, yeah. He was the drummer for Led Zeppelin for one album. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, this is what I get for podcasting at 11 o'clock with a few glasses of wine. In hey, it's all good. Oh, okay. So we're just going to point this out. One of Also, one of my favorite action figures was Greedo because yeah. he, was, he was the one I could just put in as target practice for anybody. Until they changed the concept of the film right here. but And again, you know, bringing up these sort of like side characters that become huge later and just dropping them into the middle of dialogue. Like, you know, talking about Jabba. Oh, we, oh, we just got to talk about this. The who shot first? Yeah, of course. Now of that course. looked like, in this version, it looks like it's pretty, almost at the same time. Yeah, this is like that. It's like the third or fourth. Edit. <laughs> this is the fourth edit, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
Shit, is system a clunky version? I didn't even. It is. Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. Yep. Blasting out with the McClunky before he gets shot. I, I have no idea why, but it's the funniest fucking thing. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Mm, yeah, let's just, We. I think we're all on board. It is Han shot first, just based on the character. I know Lucas has. Why his... would... Yeah. Yeah, we 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 talked about this at length a couple of years ago on the show, but it, you establish Han as a as a cold blooded killer yeah. and he's so much more badass having shot first i'm sorry i mean you're defending yourself your life is on the line you're going to shoot the guy before he shoots you so real quick the greedo character was played originally by a uh, i think an english actor named paul blake um mm. and later on when the reshoots happened he was not available so greedo was played by a woman yes and she is the person that i met at one of the conventions and had my picture signed by her oh that's great and it's one of the most awkward photos because i took a picture with peter mayhew he was there <laughs> uncle owen who's seven feet tall yeah he's right. fantastic i met him twice and then the greedo lady i can't remember her name Rest in peace but she asked me to come around the backside of the table and sit on her lap she did <laughs> yeah i have that really? picture and it is the most awkward photo oh, i need to see that picture <laughs> I'm so, it's she accosted me it was terrifying wow she had her hand on your ass the entire time, didn't she? It's not the only thing she was greedy about, apparently. It's, it's disturbing. Wow. <laughs> All right, now we have this other, uh, another scene inserted here that was not in the original release with uh, Han and Jabba having a conversation right outside the Falcon. What do you guys think about this scene? Uh, it's really weird because I can see Greedo standing right there, and he just got shot at the table five seconds ago. Uh, it could be another Rodian, right? Yeah. Well, it, well, it is because there's three of them there standing <laughs> in the background. Yeah. And they I, get a little. I scene as a uh, as a deleted scene as something that you watch at the end of the movie. I really don't like the fact that he put it in the movie proper here because it's yeah. it's really yeah. just a repeat of the scene that we just had with Greedo. It's all the same dialogue. It's yep. it's yep. just silly. True. And yeah, it kind of shows Jabba earlier than we need to see him. We don't need to see Jabba here. He's the, you know, the the man behind the mask. He's the, right. you know, the man in the shadows. He's the the big bad that we're supposed to be scared <sighs> of because you don't know anything about him. Yeah. He's the power broker. Honestly, the introduction of him in Return of the Jedi is so much more terrifying yeah. the build up to it. It's the Spielberg concept of Less is more, showing the shark less. I love the guy with the 70s uh, porn mustache there on the right. <laughs> the pirate? In the, yes. In the chops, yeah. Yeah, just chilling. But this isn't even the worst part of the scene. It's coming up right here. This. Boba. I don't need Boba. Hey, the guys, camera. look at me. Hey, look at me. I'm going to look right at you at the camera. Worst. See you in episode five. Yep. <laughs> if he just walked by, didn't turn and looked at the camera, I think it would have been better for me but well and here's the other thing about that inserted scene you see the falcon for the first time instead of here which now we have luke walking in yeah seeing the falcon and and uh what a piece of junk yeah yeah so it just it just it takes away from this scene it really is yeah it would have been great to see like greg said at the end of the on the bonus disc or whatever you know even restored would be fine but yeah although that actor the original irish actor in there was fantastic in the, in the cut scenes if you've ever seen any of his footage yeah Which, oh he's oh, wearing like a fur coat yeah the yeah. place java yeah. the uh, human version of java yeah. yeah yeah 
So uh, what do we got? Gorindon here. He's another Imperial spy. He's not a Bothan. What is he? What is this? Do, do we know what his race is? Uh, Does anybody know that? Off the, where's Dave when we need him? Oh, yeah, and that's right. Look that up. I'll, do it, I'll do it super quick, man. I'll do my best here. R.I.P. R. Dave. Sorry, Dave. This is the very <laughs> special episode. <laughs> Love the interior shots of the Falcon. And uh, this is another edition, I think, in the 97 special edition, that little liftoff for the Greg, he's a he's a Kubaz. Kubaz. A Kubaz. Thank you. That's that's a scene that I think really works. This like all that stuff for the special edition, all the stuff like that really just adds to it. You know, there's yeah. this, there's yeah. the X-Wing battle at the end, I think is much more impressive. Those are the things I'm really glad he went back to go do. Not yeah. so much yeah. the Jabba in the hangar scenes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Those those extra moments where we see the ships just more enhanced, the way they're able to maneuver, I like that a lot more than adding characters. We're about to get our about to get our first look at the jump to hyperspace too. Right. And right. I just love how iconic the cockpit is. Yeah, I, um, I, I used to um, draw that uh, sort of like the the not the windshield, but you know whatever the the. Oh yeah, you mean like the the hexagon? Shape the hex the shapes of the um, of the of the windows looking out of the cockpit out into space. Oh yeah, I just love that or that pattern right there. The pattern, the yeah. yeah. I'm thinking WandaVision for some reason. Yeah. And good on Disney for for how well they recreated this whole experience from that Smuggler's Run ride. I oh, mean, that's so bitching. Yeah. Step okay. in and sit feet for the first time. You're like, whoa. And there was there was the the jump to hyperspace, and it's amazing if you sit in the uh, in the pile in the right side pilot seat, you actually get to pull back those those dials and and launch yeah. your ride yeah. into hyperspace. It's so cool. Okay, guys, when it reopens, we're all going and we're doing the cheat code. So we have Wookie uh, <laughs> Chewie as our Wookie co-pilot. Okay, do we, it. We need to do that. Dave and I, Dave and I were there and and uh, were lucky enough to sit in the front and got a picture of uh, ourselves in the cockpit of the Falcon. It's pretty nice. cool. Now, what's cracked me up about this uh, with Carrie Fisher is. Uh, her voice changes, you know. Oh yeah. It, it, I, does she sound British in this scene? I she, it, well, it jumps. <laughs> or is it kind of fading back and it, forth? Yeah, it jumps. Yeah, yeah. But that's not even the best part about this is that knowing now from the behind the scenes documentaries mm -hmm. that Peter Cushing is wearing fuzzy slippers, slippers right. during this entire sequence. Right. Oh yeah, so, that's awesome. It's so hard to watch this and not laugh a little bit because mm -hmm. he's terrifying. But I would love to see a pulled back version of him doing this dialogue in his comfy slippers. And he really is terrifying. He is. He's perfect for this role. The casting is perfect. And uh, I mean, what, you know, for, for Lucas to get Peter Cushing and Alec Guinness to do this movie, this like far out space movie that nobody knew really what it was about. Yeah. And, look at, look at the know. intimidation right there. Look oh, at that yeah. moment. You well, know, and, and Peter Cushing was, had a, a huge, uh, career in film long before Star Wars, right? Like he was, uh, he was in the Hammer horror the, films, the and... horror films, right? Yeah, yeah, still amazing stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. He is. He is I even think that Hammer horror stuff is probably, you know, I think I think he would consider that like the twilight of his career. You know, he found he found a niche and he kind of went with it, and then he just kind of got you know shoehorned into all these little. B-movie Roger Corman-esque, you know, we're going to crank out, you know, 
House of a Thousand Corpses. No, that's Rob Zombie, but whatever it is, they, you know. <laughs> I know what you. I know oh, what you mean, Greg. As we as we watch sixties uh... horror movies, but still, just a great get because immediately he pops up on the screen and you and and it, he just oozes bad guy. You know, yeah. he does. As and, Alderaan gets blown away here, and we see uh, Obi Wan reacting to it through the Force. And, and, and I'm still stuck on his acting. I, I want to jump back real quick on that. Is you know he brings class to it, even in a cheesy horror film like those Hammer horror films. It's amazing. And same thing with this. He brings that that level of credibility, like Alec Guinness does to this. That's shockingly great. So another great, iconic, actually just amazing sci-fi here, uh, space fantasy. Uh, with Luke uh, practicing with his lightsaber against the uh, against the uh, what is it what's that thing called? Um, oh, the training remote. The remote, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, we get our first three D digital chess uh, shot here with uh, Chewbacca and uh, so many things R2. to talk about on this. And Greg yeah. might jump in on this one, but having this toy as a kid, having this Falcon, where you had the Jajaric. Oh, chessboard you could put the figures in there you actually had the little movable remote so luke could swing around and swipe at it with his little extended uh lightsaber that came out of his arm it was right. just it was so much fun have you seen the life-size um darth vader in uh disney that has it's it's a life-size vader but it's the action figure so it has the extendable no. lightsaber out of his arm. Oh, yeah. no shit, but it's like an eight-foot-tall statue? But it's oh, eight-foot-tall, yeah. That's exactly. awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, the one that looks like the 1977 action figure that only articulates at the shoulders and the hips, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got the big yeah. vinyl, vinyl cape. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty cool. And a lot has been uh, discussed about Han's transference here, right? He says, you know, hokey religions. Yeah. You know, uh, I've seen a lot of stuff from flown from one side to the other. One one of the credible moments I'm in terrible in terrible the sequel sequ- uh, the sequel films is his how he that dialogue scene when he first makes his appearance. And I know right. we'll talk about it when we get to Force Awakens, but yeah. you know, it, in basically the same room, he's talking about a right. totally different perspective, right? Um, based off of his, he experience. says it's true, all of it. Yeah, yeah he's 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 been convinced he's completely changed his adventures right here changed his entire outlook mm-hmm. on life and i thought that was a, a great way of put the blast it. shield down i can't even see how am i supposed to fight so another yeah. great robot chicken parody on this one where he's got the blast shield down and just it's uh, <laughs> and ben is just making the, the the little remote droid just hit him time after time again like right in the nuts <laughs> <laughs> i do love that he uh, you know he blocks like two blasts and see you've got it you know yeah of course <laughs> oh, such a such a great moment there's so many moments like this well look at the set i mean that set design is just incredible another reason if you haven't done it and things opening up again here is to go visit galaxy's edge just to walk into the falcon oh yeah those moments just look amazing yeah disney did a great job with that ride yeah they screwed the movies up but you know good job with the ride yeah (laughs) sorry nico well, I was going to say, um, do you think Grand Moff right there when we walk into this room 
on his little screen. Is he doing a crossword or a <laughs> Sudoku? Ooh, he's old school. I'm going to say crossword. Okay. Yeah, anybody over the age of 60, it's going to be crossword. So, <laughs> yeah, math he's, is hard. He's got the uh, Alderaan Times crossword because he just blew him up. So, right. So uh, here's Han Han flying the Falcon into uh, an asteroid field uh, that used to be Alderaan. And yet, no body parts flying on them. <laughs> no body parts, no blood. That would be pretty no... horrible. Well, well no, they're all vaporized. No plants. You know, that's a great point because we, you know, in the in the age of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we do get to see the scene in Infinity War where all the bodies are flying around, and, yeah. and Thor literally and splats onto the window of the ship. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm shocked. So our heroes here are chasing this TIE fighter and uh, yet another iconic line coming up here. That's no moon. It's That's your no penis. It's a space station. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I always get those mixed up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's too big to be a space station. Wow. Yeah, and I love in this in this scene that we're about to see here as we get closer to the Death Star. Again, the influence of, of Ralph McQuarrie and and the look of, and just the immense size of the Death Star. You know, there's the one shot that McQuarrie painted of the Falcon entering the Death Star Bay, and you see just the size of the Death Star with this little teeny Falcon flying in and the stormtroopers there. Yeah, uh, looking on. Um, A fun fact. Just, this Our is, design is amazing. The troopers you see there are not actually stormtroopers. They're called space troopers. Mm, space. Mm. And they do look different. Uh, and they did make action figures for them. Not so, the classic line. So uh, they establish in, uh, in Attack of the Clones that they have designs for a Death Star. Um, they establish in Rogue One that they've been working several years on the Death Star. Do you think Obi Wan? knows about these plans or is the first time he's seeing it figure finding out about this at all or is do you think that he's only heard rumors about this and then the pair the realizing that those plans have come to fruition that scares him so bad what you know, do you think a, guys you know, that's a great point greg uh if you look back obi-wan is the one that's spying on them uh in the attack of the clones movie when he sees mm -hmm. them looking at the hologram of the plans for the death star so Maybe he just didn't put it together or it was just small and he couldn't see it very well. Well, I, I kind of, that's what prompts the, you know, and, and again, we're, 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 we're kind of looking backwards through this lens here in, a, in an analogy that sounds really horrible coming out of my mouth right now. But the look of terror when he says, oh, that's no moon, that's a space station, he realizes exactly what it is because he's seen those plans before. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's a good point. This whole shot, the special effects here, um, with the overview of the Falcon, once it lands in the bay, the sort of half Falcon shot that you get while Vader walks up, it, it, it's, it was so, it's just so groundbreaking and still looks so great. Uh, I love it. And, and you know, talking about Galaxy's Edge, you basically walk off part of that ride and you're in, the, in one of those bays. I know. It's, it's crazy. 
It, it, Very that's, fun. That shot kind of reminded me when Vader turns away, when he has that moment of the force, he feels that presence. Mm-hmm. You see all the troopers lined up there, and it's that moment when you, uh, you what is it, the rise of the resistance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My God, when you walk yeah, out cool. and you see all those troopers lined up there, right? that is, that is some scary stuff. I love that they put this in the toy. So we've got uh, Luke and Han and Chewbacca and Obi-Wan all hiding in the, uh, in the space where uh, Han would hide his spice. Yeah. Right. In case he was boarded, he didn't think he'd be smuggling himself. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love that they put that in the toy that, yeah. you know, you could take off the, the floor and, and hide characters down there. The hidden compartments. Yeah. yeah. And what the fuck is this giant vacuum cleaner device that they're carrying up in there to scan for life forms? I mean, what what the hell is that thing? Well, Greg, that's a blue box that somebody painted, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, it was funny that they actually made those characters in the later lines of the action figures, the uh, scanning crew members. <laughs> I'm like, they're on screen for not even 30 seconds, so... TK421, why aren't you at your post? TK421, do you copy? I love this. <laughs> He's yeah. got a bad transmitter. And great chops right there. Look at those chops. Oh, yeah, oh, the butter chops. The sideburns are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so much uh, uh, 70s iconography. Uh, uh, just... <laughs> All I mean, these guys, all all the uh, all the Imperials are like seventies English dudes. No, it's so amazing. They really do know their way around this base really well for just having discovered it like five minutes ago. They yeah. really just yeah. they navigate things very well. Yeah, they're in a yeah, they're, and next thing you know, they're all the way up into the little control room and. Right. You know, the place is the size of a small moon, a planet, basically. Yeah, the time it took Luke to run upstairs, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they know this, they figured out a shortcut pretty quick. I, I do like it. Like, everything's in ASCII here, too. Right? And they kept that, oh, that yeah. continuity like, through the yeah. entire series. Yeah, it's awesome. It's what they had to work with, right? I mean, yeah. you know. And it, it, it somehow still works in a, in a strange and sort of um, very simplistic way. It's still, it, it is Star Wars. Yeah. Watch the special effects here. They pause so they can open the door, stand yeah. real still, and then right. the doors go fall. <laughs> so they can speed up the film, yeah. and then they can move yeah. on. In. Old school. Love that. Mm. It's so great. You can see right where the film speeds up and slows down. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Door is a little bit off the yeah. off the track there. <laughs> you know, it's going too fast. Another great moment is if you're watching behind the scenes footage, you will hear Peter Mayhew's dialogue because he's actually talking oh. the lines, like speaking the lines in the suit, and it's so funny to hear him talking. Yeah, it's great. Okay, you know when uh, when Han says like, "Where did you you that you got it, Chewie? Where did you find that old fossil?" Right, like that sort of dialogue with oh, Chewie yeah. and Han. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, these all of these shots are just so iconic. It's just hard to 
it's it's sometimes I'm, I'm finding it hard to like talk over it because I just want to like right, I just right. want to watch the movie you know, well, you know I, I'm going to call back I'm to some other back. films but um, I, what I really like is the continuity of the really outdated looking computer and the and the technology mm-hmm. the computers and technology on this uh, but definitely in Rogue One because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that takes place on one of the bases I think the Scarif base they use a lot of this look on there and i just i love oh, that yeah. they matched everything they did such a great job matching the continuity with rogue one and, and this movie it's, yeah. it's it's almost flawless i mean it really is it's great i i will argue i i think i still think rogue one is top three yeah it's, it's fantastic how it, like you said the continuity but it's just how it just blends and rolls right into this film yeah i think the worst thing about that is the ponda baba and dr avazon showing up yeah that just yeah. threw it off for me but a little too much fan service there maybe yeah yeah it's it's inc- it's incredibly out of out of place for the rest of the movie but yeah. uh i i guess i get why they did it i mean it it would have been it would have made more sense to just have them hanging out on Tatooine, not some other random planet. You know what's that Jeddah that happens to get destroyed five minutes later? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The mouse droid. Yeah. Yeah, and another great technical him. aspect of this film is like how much they didn't really build, like these hallways, the the Rebel blockade runner. This hallway was used in multiple, like here, different angle. Mm-hmm. They shot the same thing. I love that. You know, limited budget. They were able to pull off some great stuff here. Yeah. Obviously, there's some matte painting work going on here in the elevator room here. So, so that's a really long start, the matte paintings, you know, and, and oh, it. You see, it, we were watching um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and there's so much matte painting work in that. But they, they really are they're like the paintings are like beautiful, you know. And oh, they're you can just, just see where they are, but they're just really well done. And there's a lot of that same work that's done here too. So, and um, you know, hey, a- Greg, you mentioned Indiana Jones. I really like how the science fiction, the space element, uh, lends that you know that suspension of what disbelief, right? Uh, how it makes it more realistic in a world of fantasy. Because the Indiana Jones stuff might be a fantasy film, but it's based or grounded in reality on our planet. So you see stuff that kind of like draws your eye away from the moment. But this, like that elevator shaft right there was clearly a painting. And they did such a great job in that in that fantasy element. Right. And you guys talk about the budget for the movie. Um as our heroes here are entering the uh, the cell block where they will find Princess Leia. Um, Lucas pitched this movie to Universal, who rejected it. Yeah. Uh, United Artists, who rejected it. Um, took it to Walt Disney Studios, Motion Pictures, who turned him down. And, of course, finally he ended up with Fox and Alan Ladd, Alan Ladd Jr., who funded the movie? I think it was about nine million dollars. Yeah, it was. It was around ten. It was around yeah, ten million. Just under ten million dollars. Um, um, by the way, thank you, Walt Disney, for not buying this film, uh, so we could get the great black hole. Right. <laughs> <after> that. <laughs> right. Um, and then they were, you know, they were released. They were fearful that it was going to compete with Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't compete with Smokey and the Bandit that summer, so. 
they they pushed the release date up to Memorial Day, May 25th, 1977. Um, and within three weeks, 20th Century Fox's stock price doubled. Uh, so they 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 made they paid nine million bucks to to make the movie, and um, they doubled their earnings that year from thirty seven million to seventy nine million. So yeah, Fox did pretty well. Not bad with Star Wars. Not bad. Yeah, uh, we're we're getting a, a lot of great Harrison Ford moments here, but. One of, the, one of the greatest dialogue sets, him just on the fly making up this conversation as he goes along. I don't know how much of this was improv or ad-libbed or written on the page as is, but... Was that not scripted? I, I have no idea, but Harrison Ford just sells the shit out of it. It oh, sounds so... A boring it, conversation anyway. Yeah, it's it's so uncomfortable, the whole the whole way it lays out like that, that it ha- it, it's completely natural. It does not come off as written. It really sounds like he's making it up as he goes along, and that's what's just so beautiful about it. We're it's fine. Completely- we're fine. Here. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> also, we're getting those, those iconic uh, numbers and references to many other films, but 2187. Mm-hmm. Um, Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Of course, not a, not a number, but yeah, yeah. Another, another classic line. Yeah. Well, they they said that Chewbacca was a transfer from uh, cell block one one three eight or something like That's that. Right. So they yeah. made yeah. mention of THX one one three eight, the uh, first George Lucas student film and then first full length feature. Which which really is a trippy film. <laughs> you really need to go back and see that if you haven't checked that out. If you're listening to this podcast, it's been a long time. I I have the well, Blu-ray or DVD. Yeah. Can we? Yeah. Real quick, take yeah. a look. Behind Vader, we've got two Death Star gunners standing guard mm, saw instead that. of stormtroopers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's a that's a first for me to realize I think that. Those but are that, like that's his weird. his personal guards or something. But those are like the guys who are running the guns and stuff inside the Death Star. Yeah, with the yeah, kind of fishbowl hats on. And uh, I was gonna say they've got they've got those like walk helmets, is what they are. They're walk, like you know, yeah. walks you know up just turned upside down and put on your head. Um, get back to THX one one three eight. It is you know this was a, a, a watershed moment for sci fi movies. This particular movie right now, right here that we're watching. Um, as there there was just that grim dystopian view of the future and that very much is what THX is um if you watch it you you're not going to walk away from that movie feeling good happy or anything it's it's a really interesting film um as an art film really more than anything else and, and it's a comment on society but it's it's i wouldn't say, i wouldn't say it's easy to get through at all it's kind of rough to get through actually cuz it is yeah. So much is is left unsaid in that movie. Mm-hmm. Robert Duvall, right? Correct. Robert yeah. Duvall, absolutely. Stars well, in that movie yeah. in, in the in the full length feature, not the student film. In the full length feature, right, right, right. right. So we're uh, blasting our way into the garbage chute, fighting off the stormtroopers here while we rescue uh, Princess Leia. Love the way he does. Picks Chewie in there too. Just like get in there. <laughs> well, there's so many little moments like that that just make Harrison Ford Harrison Ford. I mean, he's he's just the every man. He just plays it so perfectly. 
Well, and another reason is his relationship with Chewie and how he handles it. You know, I don't care what you smell. Get in there. Mm-hmm. You know, that that was something that wasn't picked up on in the, the prequels. It wasn't picked up on in the sequels. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, that's that's what I felt was lacking. And that's what I love about this film is it doesn't matter that Harrison Ford makes fun of the fact that he's filming a movie what, with what he essentially calls a big hairy dog. Mm-hmm. He sells it. He makes it like this is another live, real character, another human being, basically. Right. And, and he's treating him that way, and I love that. Who was modeled after uh, George Lucas's dog. Dog, also, yeah. yeah. Who yeah. sat in the front seat of his car with him and would drive around. Named. Ooh. Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Was, it that, was that really his name? I know it's obviously a yeah. joke from... That's where the joke came from. Was from that moment, from that dog. Well, I thought that was the a dog, Indy. Yeah. Luke, Lucas's dog was named Indiana. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's a great name for a dog. It's, it, it's a joke. It's a joke line in in the third Indiana Jones movie, but that was actually his actual dog, Holy Grail. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you ever want to see, we brought up troops as one of the wonderful spoofs of this film. Uh, if you ever want to see something really fun, you should check out George Lucas in Love, which is oh, so good. Just another wonderful kind of spoof on how he came up and created everything during college mm-hmm. for this the idea of Star Wars. His buddy that has the inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right, so we're in the uh, trash compactor. This always fascinated me as a kid because it's like I'm it I'm there I'm like they're standing in knee deep water and yet he's completely disappeared like where did he go right. and right. and he's down there for so long at this point too where does where does that Dianoga creature where does that thing take him where does he go and by the way is that like sewage I'm assuming yeah so. it's yeah. a trash chute so yeah, yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that it's a bunch of garbage. Yeah, Greg, you brought up a great point because the diagno the Dianoga uh, creature, if you remember what that thing looked like from the toy, it, it's big, like huge, yeah. huge. Everyone thinks it's a Everyone. snake, but it's got this huge body with these fins or flippers on it, and I'm like, where the hell is that thing hiding under all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must be bigger than it appears, or he's, uh, you know, it goes deeper in one section or something. Yeah. I don't know if they released the Dianoga toy as a standalone, but they did have a Dianoga toy that came with the Death Star placed at the tri-level Death Star playset that had the trash compactor on the bottom, and you would throw that little down in there. With the little foam squares? Little foam squares. Yes, sir. Yeah. The famous Stormtrooper hitting his head head on the door. So great. (laughs) And it's clear. If you know where to look on the frame, it's clear as day. I mean, you can just completely see it. Yeah. Once you see it, you will never unsee it. It's just one of those moments. And the guy that plays the stormtrooper, he's been interviewed now many times about that. And he says he just, they just could not see anything. And apparently I think he had like a case of the runs that day or something. Oh, just having the worst day ever. Oh man. And he just cracks his head on the door. <laughs> yeah. Stormtroopers are so gullible. Of course, Rupio talks his way out of the, yeah. Yeah. 
talks his way out of the uh, control room. Meanwhile, our heroes are uh, look like they're doomed. They're gonna. There's no way they're getting out of this, right? This is right. They're 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 goners. They're gonna get squished. Yep. Yep. One thing's for sure: they're all gonna be a lot thinner <laughs> <laughs> after this. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody remember the number of the uh, of the trash compactor that they're in. Everybody remember. Oh, um, just shut them all down. No, shut them all down. Three two three, six two, three eight two seven three eight two seven. Wow, yeah. popped in there. So good. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And you know, there's there's a lot of comedy in this movie. You know, in in watching this with you guys and and with the without the uh, sound on, you know, we all know almost every line. And you know, I love when when three PO is you know, oh, it's my fault. Oh. <laughs> Curse my metal body. <laughs> exactly. Mark down this day. Uh, April 28th as we record. Steve praising the efforts of Anthony Daniels in C3PO. <laughs> no. Where's, where's the voice? <laughs> we need to have him in. Damn it. Plug that guy in. All right. Guilty. Mine. Well, you know, and I'm not going to defend Steve because I, I like the character, but I'm going to say this. Why aren't this. you going to defend Steve? I'm, I'm gonna, well, I defend you for other things, but... But for this, I, I will say this. It's his best performance. Sure. Maybe Empire. Those those you gotta give him those. I, I don't think his performances are bad. Okay. Uh, no. I, I think he plays it exactly how it was meant to be played. Yeah. I just the character just annoys the hell out of me. That's all that's <laughs> all it is. Well, it's kind of it works so well for this movie, and then it's like you know. He just kind of takes it over, you know, a little bit further, a little bit further. And, yeah, by the time you get to, like, Phantom Menace, it's so far over the top. It's just, it's beyond parody of itself at that point. Yeah. Well, I think for me, the thing, too, that kind of bugs is that he's so adamant on being the only person to ever voice C-3PO. And on top of that, he's in, like, every Star Wars piece of media ever yeah yeah like in so many different video games in like every movie in all the cartoons in like any commercials in you know the rides at disneyland like this guy just eats sleeps shits and breathes e3po <laughs> and that's his entire existence anymore it's just this one fucking character like God yeah. damn! Cut the umbilical cord. But Do something else with your life. You gotta, you gotta give him some credit. I mean, that guy has established a career out of this thing. So, no kidding. No, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think he plays the character well. I don't even mind that he's all over. By the way, you get a. Uh, there's no underwear in space. Um, good, good view there. All right. There. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, whoa, I just, whoa. I don't need him to talk about it so much. Like I don't have a problem with three PO as much as I do with Anthony Daniels himself. Like I just think he's he just comes across as a pompous ass. That's all I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. That's the point I was trying to make. Is yeah, right. my problem's not with three PO the character. The character's annoying, but he's there to serve yeah. as you know comedic reprieve during the movies. Right. And he plays that character well, but outside of, you know, out of character as a human being, he's just obnoxious. And totally modeled on the, on the, the comic relief characters from the Kurosawa movie, um, 
Watcher, uh, Hidden Fortress. The Hidden Fortress, yeah. yeah. Those two, there's two characters that are basically the 3PO and R2 of the Kurosawa films. And, and uh, you know, they, they, they play it the same way. I can't, I can't let it pass without having uh, a quick brief moment for the two stormtroopers that are having their little gossip moment. Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, it's the, VT, the VT 16s, whatever it is. <laughs> and, and, and uh, going back to rogue one again, another callback to this scene is they're talking about them retiring the VT 15 model, whatever this VT, okay. whatever it is, they yeah. talk about the retiring of the 15 in rogue one. And here they talk about the new 16. Love that. Love, right. love that. And love I want to say, I think the two actors oh. in rogue one that do that, are David Collins, who who is usually on the red carpet for like big Star Wars events, okay. and uh, the actor that plays Anakin in the Clone Wars. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. But I think those two guys were in the Stormtrooper outfits having that little dialogue in Rogue One. Uh, another iconic scene coming out here. You've got uh, Luke and Leia trying to figure out how they're going to get uh, you know across the this uh, crevasse in, in the middle of the Death Star now that they've blown the bridge controls. This is just a whole great action scene here. Um, this whole chase through the Death Star where they get split up. Um, we kind of talked over it a little bit, but Han chasing the troops down. I I really like better how they were just terrified of, of this guy running after them for no reason until they got cornered and then they all turn around. Of course, they changed that for the special edition and add a big hangar full of troops, but oh, I still think right, it works better right. for previous way where it's just they're back into a corner and they have to turn around yeah um yeah. just, just that and and this scene here is they're prepping to swing across the the chasm um it's just a great action scene the yeah. whole sequence is yeah fantastic. it is it's it's just so it's like serial it's just so heroic um everything about it i i used to have a well i was in i, I guess it was like elementary school that's the shot there swung across. Um, I had a, uh, like a folder, like kind of like a peachy folder, except it was star Wars branded. Oh, yeah. And it had some of these images of, of them swinging across the, the cavernous uh, opening in the death star. And, and a, another right. shout out to the people that uh, like filming this. I mean, Lucas for, for sure, but you know, this also like Greg, you mentioned one of the great action sequences is this chase sequence. Um, the way they make it feel, this is where I start to feel the vastness, how, how big the Death Star is. Because at some point, yeah, I think you hear on one of the overheads, they're splitting up. They're on level two and level five. Oh, and, right. and it's like, okay, and you're, you're getting that in context with the chase happening. You feel like they are all over the place, which is great. And then we come back to the Obi-Wan, who now runs into Vader. So, uh, which leads to a which, great battle. by the way, if you're listening to this commentary, watching the movie, pause it real quick, go on YouTube, <laughs> look up oh, yeah. the remastered fan version of this scene. Yeah. Yes. And so then the, come back. This you're is allowed o to o do that. Obi-Wan and Vader squaring off here in, in what, by by today's standards, by today's lightsaber standard battles is like a you know it's almost like slow motion. It is right. Uh, but Nico, you're talking about the fan edit that cuts in. Yeah. Two super athletic, <laughs> uh, uh, well, super like uh, lightsaber wielding athletes that are just just going at it like crazy, and they cut it in with the the rest of the movie just perfectly. It's great. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. But I mean, 
you got to give Alec Guinness his props. You know, he's no spring chicken anymore. And he's doing these scenes and he's doing the spins and he's swinging the saber around and he's, you know. Right. He probably had to practice and rehearse that a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of breaks for tea going on during all this. And he comes out, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, day of recording. And look at that look in his eyes. You know, this man is, he's fighting for his life. And uh, he really sells it in that scene, you know, not a hint of, you know, taking that that fight for granted at all. I'm almost certain that's not David Prowse in the suit. I think that's, uh, is it Bob Anderson that, that the stunt did the, car- the choreography yeah. for the lightsabers? I want to say you're right, but there are also scenes, maybe it's some of these that are cut in where he's jumping around more. Because mm. there are scenes with Prowse in this sequence without the helmet on. So I'm wondering if Prowse films oh, certain moments. I might have been. I, I might be thinking of Jedi. I think maybe Anderson filled in for Prowse in the uh, okay the lightsaber scene on the Death Star. Uh, I, I, think, I think it was. Yeah, I think that's the one yeah, where they they switch the actors out. Not right. not so much. Right. Oh, and here we go with uh, Obi Wan making the ultimate sacrifice. Gets cut down. What did you guys think of, of, uh, do you remember what you thought of when you were a kid and saw that and the body disappears? His body like vanishes. Yeah. I, I kind of freaked me out. I was like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Well, that and the creepy smile that he gives him right before, you know, that, that knows, he knows what's coming. And so he says, well, this is how it's going to go down. And, and we hear him right there, hear run, Luke, run. Like he knew there's something very spiritual or sort of takes it to another plane of of, of, uh, of reality there. By the way, I love that the Falcon has the reverse mode on it. It's just oh, I know. It's so fantastic. And that's a little choppy as we watch it, but I love that shot. I've always loved that shot of the Falcon backing up and spinning around and then yeah. flying forward. It's great. I forget. Did, did we get a shot of the the uh, Falcon cockpit dice in this one, or does that show up in Empire for the first time? I don't remember seeing them in here. Even when Han, like when he steps into the uh, Falcon for the first time, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not remembering off the top of my head either. Uh, yeah, every time they keep showing these scenes of the interior of the Falcon, all it does is it brings me back to how incredible that Falcon is at Galaxy's Edge. Just right. to, you know, I don't want to pump up the park or anything, but <laughs> if you need to go and sit in there and feel what it's like, like if you played yes. with your action figures with that toy and you wanted to be in that thing, go there. Don't even care about the ride. Just go in and sit inside the Falcon. You will freak out. Right. It's amazing. Totally. I want to sit in one of these gunner seats. Yeah. I think that would be way badass how they spin around and move and stuff like that. Oh man, yeah. this was always my favorite. Um I had a a Falcon you know, the the toy, the yeah. big the big uh Falcon toy and it was always my favorite to put the characters in that little thing and there's a little wheel on the bottom you can spin and it just you know, yeah. swung those guns around on the top, and I don't, I don't know. Those seats are, I think, those are so badass. Yeah, yeah. that would be a really cool, actual, actually, a, a ride like a, a 
a V, not a VR, but a, an AR ride that they could put in where, you know, you yeah. get your own, you got to blast the TIE fighters. Um, my God, I would wait in line for that. Love the scenes with the models cut in here. Um, I have a, I have a weird brain thing about this whole scene though because they obviously they go up and down into these guns so one gun is on the top of the ship and one gun is at the bottom of the ship uh, yeah. yeah but it's like these these seats and how they're sitting in them they're almost like gravity defying because it's not like somebody is like if he falls out of the seat he's gonna fall down and into the bottom portion of it you know and at the end <laughs> right of that, right, right. and on the glass portion outside so it always just I'm like, how do these things work? There's 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 no gravity in this part of the ship or something like that because they just can sit there and it's no problem. Well, and the camera yeah. angle has shifted, right? So so if you look yeah. at the ship from the outside, the Han or Luke is are they're facing up and down, but yeah. the camera angle yeah. here it appears yeah. that they're facing left they're and right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's weird. it means nothing. It's still a fantastic scene, but it always something I'm like I just. It confuses me how these seats actually work. <laughs> minus minus the logistics of, of what Greg's talking about, I, I have to give it two props. One for the editing sequence. Love how that scene is edited. But really, one of my favorite John Williams pieces is that piece of music right there. Yes. It's intense. Yeah. It just, you and, feel it. Yeah. I love that. Yes. It's actually, I, I used that, I think, in the beginning of our show, uh, in the intro. It's like the, just iconic music. Look how young Carrie is. Well, she was 19, I think, when they made this. Right? The pacing on this movie is so incredible because they have these scenes of exposition like this one here, but you know, they come down after these incredible action sequences that you don't even notice it's this movie there's so much that happens in this movie and it and it's still to this day it's what two hours and four minutes long or something like that and it feels like 90 minutes it really does yeah 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 it's perfect the the editing is just stellar the pacing is just perfect yeah just so tight yeah there's there's nothing wasted in this movie i care <laughs> Take wait, come back. <laughs> Talk to me. So I don't recall, um, but I want to say that at the end of this movie, Lucas was still tinkering with the scripts and figuring out the relationships here. And I'm not sure that that he knew whether Luke and Leia were brother and sister or not. I, I think that's kind of obvious. Right. I think that is. And, and I'm sure it's not until Empire that that kind of that thought was there. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. And Greg, I, I agree with you on the on the, the pacing and everything in this film. A funny little side story was years, years later, uh, probably around the 20th anniversary of this film um, or close to that time frame. Uh, I love that shot, by the way, the yeah. guy tracking the Falcon as Yavin it comes four. to the Yavin 4. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, I think that was added in because we don't see the Falcon in the original cut. It's 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 just the guy. Yeah. Without the Falcon coming in. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So much. This this whole sequence is fantastic. I shouldn't waste it on all of this story stuff, but uh, but uh, real quick, so much. Um, we uh, I an old roommate of mine. We used to talk about something about dating girls that had not been born, 
in time to see Star Wars. That was a big thing back then. It's it's goofy, but it was a, it was like a rule that we had. Me and this this old roommate of mine, and it was a joke. Don't get was, creepy on me. Then. No, 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 no. It was just like we if if they were <laughs> yeah. past Star Wars, they were too young, and we couldn't date them. That's, Got it. That was okay. the catch. That makes sense. Uh, so this this girl at the time fell into that category. She was uh, old enough, so we were like, oh, cool. And she came over, and we're like, you have to see Star Wars because she had admitted never seen Star Wars, mm-hmm. any of them. And I'll never forget this. She turned to me and she said, that was the slowest, most oh. boring film. And I'm like, what? what? Hey, you're out. <laughs> and that was the last time. That was, she was so, gone. Yeah, so uh, maybe about five years ago, uh, I go on this camping trip every summer with five families and all of them have, you know, we all have the same age kids. And at the time, I guess the kids were 11, 12, 13. And uh, we, we watch a movie every night. Yeah. And okay, we're going to watch Star Wars. Uh, I finally got my way and we watched Star Wars. The kids were just bored with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, by today's stand, there's something that's different about the way they make films now. Well, that's why I wanted to point on that is, or yeah. jump on that is because Greg points out of the pacing. And I agree wholeheartedly that the pacing in this film is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Editing makes everything happen in this. Uh, I, I got to call this out because we're talking about the trench run. Right. General Dodonna is talking here. But the guy that's sitting right next to Luke is actually Wedge Antilles. And the real actor, Dennis Lawson, was sick that day. And this guy filled in for him. And by the way, real quick, Dennis Lawson is the real uncle of Ewan Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Yes. So I always found it funny that this guy comes in and... So that's Wedge. That's Wedge. And for some reason... It's faux Wedge. It's (laughs) faux... It's yeah. really bad Beatles bowl cut hair wedge. I don't know what's going on with that guy. Right. I was just about to comment on your guys is saying that, you know, kids these days maybe not appreciating the original trilogy so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably has a lot to do with special effects and costuming. Yeah. Because, you know, when they can go and see, you know, Fast and the Furious and Transformers and everything that's more modern. And then they go back and watch this and you see a scene like that where it's, you know, this little vector line art of, you know, the the Death Star coming around the planet. And all of the transitions between scenes Mm, are the the exact like, yeah, they're the PowerPoint transitions that your teachers tell you not to use. And they're just, you know, screen wipes or like the little circle expanding. And there's not a whole lot of creativity in them. But they're limited by the technology of the time. So I think really what a lot of kids these days probably have a problem with is just how dated the film is without really appreciating the content. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good analysis. Yeah, I agree with you, Nico. Another bit of trivia, that vector line art that Nico's talking about is, I think, the very first use of a fully computer-generated graphic in any film. That I did not know. Wow, that's amazing. I know a lot of them were were, uh, drafted or conceived by Joe Johnson, who who, uh, drew a lot of the ships and the Death Star Trench and... um, the, the the minutia the minute details of the of these um you know the ships and the Death Star and stuff I know Joe Johnson was responsible for a lot of that stuff. Also, interesting fact: uh, first time ever that extreme whiny farm boy uh, mm. voice happened in a film. <laughs> really, yeah, first yeah. time ever. First time ever. Huh? 
<laughs> he was good. He was constant. But now we look back at that and, and go, well, that was like spot on acting because, you know, he had to transition from whiny farm boy sure. to Jedi Knight. And you see that transition, you know, on film. Although it, it, getting involved in this scene here, right? Let's, let's talk about this, this moment where he's talking to Han, who's leaving with his reward money. That is the most overly dramatic moment with him. He's oh, yeah. so hurt by that moment. I'm like, he's butt hurt by that. I'm really bad. He is. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're. And then here he is talking to Biggs, who, it, like, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. The you whole back. Kind of watch. Him. Yeah, the deleted scenes to really understand what's uh, what's going on there. It is it is funny they put that in there. I see why because of the the moment between the two characters. But really, you're you're right, Greg. There's no reference to who the hell he is. It's like you couldn't have put one of the Tashi Station scenes, just one of them in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's the guy playing space billiards or whatever, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did want to uh, mention here. We've got Luke. You know, saying that, oh, I no, don't don't change up my R two droid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want any other. What's the line? Um, something like, oh no, that that little droid and I have been through a lot together, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, you know, already he's not, you know, he's forming attachments. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Does not bode well for his future as a Jedi. He's way too old. He's way too old. Too old to begin the training. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Right. And he's hanging with droids. So there's problems. Uh, again, the X-Wings, I just fantasized about flying these when I was a kid. My God. And yeah. just the look and feel and the design of these things. Okay, we just got, incredible. We got the Falcon now, ride. Can we get an X-Wing ride? That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, man. My question is, and that in, in those scenes where you see, you know, from the, the point of view of the cockpit and to the pilots of the X-Wings, mm-hmm. is that the camera stationary and the X-wing moving, or is the X-wing stationary and the cameras moving? Um, I think it's the the cockpit that he's sitting in. Um, there's some great behind the scenes shots of it, Nico. The way that the camera is positioned above the cockpit, and there's really like almost nothing behind them. It's just this box that they're kind of like sitting in. Yeah. Um, you can find them in some of the behind the scenes books. But yeah, I think it was the way that the the thing almost moved like a simulator, but not not like what we have now. Well, I think in the later movies, um, they they actually have like a full Millennium Falcon cockpit, for example, that moves around. It's like on this huge arm, and it moves. Yeah. I don't know that they had that for for this movie. Although there seems like there's some movement there. Yeah, that's I think that's called a gimbal when they build a yes. set. That- rotates on all axes like that that they can film and have people react like it's you know like a like a ship rocking in the water they put those on what they call a gimbal yes and you get uh you know accurate you you get light reflecting and changing as it moves and it's it's hard to reproduce that digitally all right so now we're into the uh the death star battle the battle of yavin to be more specific, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's BBY and there's ABY. This is actually BY, I guess. <laughs> this is just Y, isn't it? Well, B, yeah, BY. 
Yeah, why the battle for Yavin? Yeah. So my boss's license plate on her car is 41 BBY, uh, 41 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is the year that Darth Vader, that Anakin was born. She's a huge uh, Vader fan. Okay. She's like 5'2", and she dresses like Vader. It's pretty funny. 5'2". Yeah, she's a little teeny. She's a little mini Vader. It's like almost half. It's like Vader, except one quarter its size. Besides, so funny. Oh, of course. Oh, 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 was that? Oh, He didn't didn't stay on target. I gotta go put on my Porkins barbecue shirt. (laughs) Yeah, that looks like that thing's moving around. Yeah, there's some there's some light uh, bouncing around in there that you can see uh, that looks like pretty natural movement. Either either way, it's a it's a good effect. It's really cool. It is good. This guy always creeped me out. Who is he? And, and he looks like Dan Patrick. Oh, <laughs> uh, Biggs in your stash, man. You've got Egg. a porn stash. Cliff Clavin literally shows up in Empire Strikes Back. So he does. Yeah. Like, he does. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe it is Dan Patrick. We don't know. Could be. <laughs> That scene right there, I, I yeah. the the redo of these dogfight scenes for the special edition, just this is that's that this is where the special editions really just shine. Okay. They they've integrated okay. these so well. Yeah. Although they created, you know, some of this is from the original film, and they created this the, the is it the Dykstra Vision they called it. They they created a camera that. The, the model, the airplane, or the airplane, the X-Wing model is stationary, but the camera is going, is weaving all over the place behind it to give yeah. it the simulated look. That's like right. That, the, that was the feeling of, yeah, of movement. Yeah, I think it's, I think they patented as, as Dykstra Vision. That's great. The, the, yeah, this is back when they were actually using blue screen, and they would be yes. mounted on those, like, kind of plastic, glowing blue holders to match the screen behind them so the camera could fly by and right. you know, superimpose the, the star backgrounds behind them. Yeah, Greg, I agree. I, I love how the special editions incorporated the new CG into the old footage. It's so great. In fact, one of the scenes we didn't even talk about was the approach to the Death Star coming around the moon, uh, the Yavin moon, which is so amazing. Mm. I love that moment. And yeah. With all the little John Knoll pilots in every single X-wing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? What a what a total ham! I'm like, oh, I'm doing this scene. I'm just going to put myself in every X-wing. <laughs> That's awesome. Now this shot that we just uh, skipped over really quick, swooping down into the trench. Yeah. Uh, just amazing. Another use of that Dykstra uh, camera. That they Can created. we just talk about though how impractical it is that they have to stay in this little trench the entire way to the end and why they can't just enter the trench run from like <laughs> the end of it like you have this whole you know moon sized base with this trench that goes around the entire equator and you have to go for like thousands of miles on this little thing hella fast and not crash and not get shot why not just fly straight to the end well, yeah, it's away not from like the guns covered or on the inside of the uh, yeah. Death Star. It's pretty much right. right there on the surface. So yeah, you can go in and out of this trench from literally anywhere at any time. You know that that's a fair argument, Nico. But uh, it wouldn't have made a great video game. So I think they no. were thinking ahead. 
<laughs> then let me tell you, Rogue Squadron, the video game on the GameCube, had a uh, uh, a level which was the Death Star Trench Run, and I couldn't finish that level for the longest. Yeah. I hated it. I hated it so much. It was really hard. And in that game, I try to do exactly what I said and just fly to the end, and it forces you into the trench every time. Mm. Ridiculous. I remember reading something about uh, the fact that they that Luke's squadron was red squadron, and it was originally blue. Yeah. But because they were using the blue screen, yep. uh, they couldn't have blue markings on the wings. Which is awesome because they have a throwback to that in Rogue Squadron. Right. One of the, the squadrons is the blue squ- squadron. Exactly. In they bring, they, they yeah. finally have the blue squadron on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because they were using green screen. Keep your eyes out for those fighters. Oh, man. Yeah, because they changed to green. Yeah, exactly. Well, we can have this guy being from Space Texas because we got Bill Bill Burr and the Mandalorian being from Space Boston. So all we need is a Space Valley guy and have some dude like, brah. Space Valley guy, that's awesome. Nicholas Cage makes an appearance. Space Keanu Reeves. I am a Jedi master. <laughs> Damn it, sir. I just watched that movie. I know um, the force. <laughs> and I do love that when he when uh he misses the shot here, it just totally rocks the Death Star like, oh, if it had gone in, what about, what about that shot rocks the whole Death Star like that? I'm I'm gonna assume it's not the whole Death Star. <laughs> All right, fine. it's just the scene. Like those guys happen to be near We're the hallway right next to. It. <laughs> yeah. okay. All right, that's fair, I guess. That'd be great if it was the dining hall. <laughs> Bunch of troopers. If you, if you look, if you look carefully in the scenes inside Vader's cockpit too, there's the one that comes up here right when um, the Millennium Falcon comes in to rescue. You can actually see inside David Prowse's helmet too. You can actually oh, get a glimpse yeah. of the actor inside. The man behind the mask. The man behind the mask. They didn't clean that up for uh, the '97 special version, special edition. No, it's it's still it's still very visible, still very visible. Biggs's mustache is still there. That's for sure. Same with uh, very visible. Kenny Baker in the uh, the Jawa Sandcrawler. That you can see him through the the little glass dome. Really? Yeah. I think I've ever noticed that. Yeah. See, you can still learn stuff after all these years. Still haven't seen everything. You worry about those fighters. I'll worry about that tower. <laughs> Luke. Luke, Luke, Luke. Why worry about the tower? Just go up and over it. <laughs> Fuck. It's not like you have miles of space above you that you can fly out of the trench. So that's Dennis Lawson there. Yes. Yeah. And he actually dies in um, Rise of Skywalker in that final battle. I think it was confirmed by Filoni. Oh, yeah? That Lawson's character. Yeah. Nine Nub who died. Wasn't that Nine Nub? Oh, Nine Nub dies too. Yeah. 
No, but I, I, I think that uh, Biggs dies also. Biggs or Wedge? Wedge, wedge sorry. Wedge, Wedge, Wedge. Yeah, yeah. Biggs definitely dies. <laughs> Biggs, right Biggs is uh, not long for this movie, actually. He's pretty much right now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There it was. Later, dude. What? Can can we just think that one? <laughs> the, the one shot of uh, Peter Cushing there is like, I know. Mm, maybe I should have gotten off this thing. <laughs> There's the, so much so much tension in this scene right oh, here. So the, the music, the the John the, Williams the, score. This the, scene the, the reminds countdown of the little, of the little uh, tracker thing. It yeah. just this scene reminds me of that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when that guy's <laughs> running towards the castle <laughs> and he just like keeps going back to the same place and just like he never gets anywhere. It's like, yeah, this thing is coming. It's so close. And then it's five minutes later and it's like, yep, it's it's getting there. It's so close. <laughs> and then it like. <laughs> Like if you if you counted down with a counter, he would have already like been too late by right. this point. But it's kind of strange watching it without the music. Also, it it kind of highlights those little glaring, you know, miss missteps. Um, because the music is so instrumental to building the tension here. Well, tonight we have Scott to make all the tension for us. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Use the fork, Luke. Oh, here's your here's your line, Greg. What? I love that edit. Somebody did an edit on, and you can probably find it on YouTube. <laughs> and it's, they've dubbed over pretty much every Darth Vader line with just that. What? <laughs> <laughs> just, and they time it perfectly. Every time Darth turns his head, it's just what? Right. Oh my gosh! And, and uh, I think that's what we're trying to talk about. But yeah. Oh man, Luke becomes I mean, the hero. Off yet? Now, of course, that ring around that sort of expanding ring when the Death Star blows up—that's um, new. That's in, uh, added in '97, also. I think. Yeah. yeah. So one of the one of the most fun things we we've done with this movie is uh, put it on at exactly the right time on December thirty first in the evening, mm. so that when clock strikes midnight, the Death Star explodes. <laughs> it's awesome. perfect. It's, we, it's it's out we did there. That just this last year, yeah, we did that just this last year. You, know, oh, you start cool. it like right at like ten oh four or something like that, right. and, yep. and down to the second you have to start it, and uh, and yeah, it yeah. was it was fun. I always thought Han almost like punches Luke right there. It's a little right choppy, the, the version we're watching, but he just yeah. gives him a good shot to the side of the head. That was always punk. the moment too, yeah. that we used to, we used to like have a, a discussion saying, Hey, is he, is he yelling Carrie or is he yelling Leia? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. And again, you, you, you just can't, get in the scene without thinking about the music, right? I mean, John Williams at his absolute best in the award ceremony scene here, uh, just amazing score. And, and uh, you know, he's been called the oxygen of star Wars and it, it really is. I mean, he, he just makes every scene better. 
another moment where uh, the updated versions were much better is adding the real people and not the cardboard cutouts. Oh yeah, up on that yeah, you, ledge. You watch the unaltered version, and they're just obviously just fake people in the corners. Yeah, <laughs> I always wondered how when they're walking down the aisle there, um, and Shuey gives the order, like you know, in in his whatever language he Wookies. Yeah. Uh, and all the troops turn. I always, I remember thinking, how do they know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do they know what he wants them to do? Mm. Get a little flirtation here going with the Han and and Leia, and you got a perfectly shiny three PO all cleaned up. A little little flirtation between C, C, between C three PO and Luke is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's what I saw. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you've seen that tops card. I mean, three <laughs> PO has it going on. Goldenrod, uh, indeed, and that's the best we've seen R two for sure. In, uh, in this, um, and here we spray. have a, a a good a good scene of the goldenrod right there, close up. Yeah. yeah. And what a great way to end the movie with the with the uh, and, heroes getting uh, cheered and or, Chewbacca screaming protest for not getting a medal. He pieces of shit. Like, Where's my medal? Metal. <laughs> Written and directed by George Lucas. What a great movie. Pop Gary Kurtz, a hero. Did Lucas do anything else after after this? Did Lucas do anything else? No, nothing. Not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to be talking about some more of George Lucas' movies as we go on. We're going to try to get to these uh, every now and then. Uh, Next up would be we're doing them in release order, right? So next up will be um, Empire Strikes Back. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope you'll join us. And uh, if you hey, or is that going to be a couple weeks? We're not going to do these back to back to back to back to back. No, I think we have it on the calendar for two weeks from today if we can uh, manage. But this was tough during a during a, a, a work. Well, so I don't rather know, two sh- two shows, right? Because we are uh, we release our podcast bi weekly, right? So ah, we're going to do you. every other show. We've only been doing this for five years, and I still say next week when I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, we'll 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 get to the rest of these. And if you're one of the uh, one of our listeners that have stayed with us the whole time and actually watched the movie while you listen to us, I want to just I go to sleep. What, what, how did you? I mean, my God, thank you, thank you so much for your listenership. We're. We're happy to do this, and uh, we love these films, and we hope you do too. This was a lot of fun, guys. And uh, next up is Empire, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, and we will get to that sometime in the, in the next month or so. So until then, uh, Steve, signing off for Scott, Greg, and Nico. Have a great couple of weeks. Dave's and, not dead. And Dave, too. We're, we were only kidding about the Dave being dead. And may the Force be with us all. 